0: So brothers and sisters, here we are on yet another Lord's Day to worship the God of our creation and of our salvation. Another way to put that is that here we are to worship the God of our creation who is also the God of our recreation. Unfortunately, within our language and culture, the word recreation or recreation has come to denote uh, fun and games. Nothing wrong with that, but uh, uh, it's not exactly what we mean when we refer to recreation within the teaching of God's Word. I can remember as a child being involved uh, each summer in summer rec, with uh, rec being short for recreation throughout the the summer months. uh, The public school system in my hometown offered... Uh, kids the opportunity for summer rec, uh, a Saturday morning program during the summer weeks uh, that provided some structured activity, arts and crafts and and games, uh, probably with the thought of keeping us off the streets and uh, keeping us from breaking windows for fun. I didn't do that, but maybe others did. <laughs> But is that what recreation? Is that what recreation is really about? Another example is uh, here in our own area, uh, the Raccoon Lake State Recreation Area. Uh, to be honest, I'm not sure what the difference is between a, a state park and uh, a, re- a a state recreation area. But uh, but that's what the signs say. The Raccoon Lake recreation area, a place where you can go to be outdoors, to relax and to have some good fun, um, catch a fish or two perhaps, and, and, uh, and, and, and to be recreated. Uh, recreation is indeed a, another word that is, uh, is caught up in our understanding of what Christ has done for us. Uh, In our Romans uh, series on on Lord's Day mornings, we've heard the teaching of Paul about propitiation, uh, about redemption, about justification and reconciliation, all these multi-syllable words. And another one, another word of salvation is the word recreation or re Creation, And we should pronounce it that way to, to guard against that confusion of just thinking of recreation in terms of fun and games and, and relaxation. Recreation is a word that gives us to understand what Christ has done for us. And of course, if we if we play out the logic, then we know that creation happened by the power of God. And it happened as things that did not exist came to exist. So recreation is really a a reformed word, we might say. Those who think that salvation from sin comes about simply by the offer of salvation, requiring acceptance by the sinner so to be saved, well, they cannot really incorporate the idea of recreation into their religion and their spirituality. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and He did it by commanding it to be let there be light. And there was light. Even before the sun and moon had been created to govern the light of the day and the lesser light of the night. Let there be an expanse. Let there be uh, dry land to appear. Uh, Let the seas swarm with living creatures, said God. And it was so. This is the point of hearing the story of creation. That just as God commanded, so it was by the command of God. And so salvation, because it is the matter of recreation It happens in the same way. Jesus said, follow me. And lo and behold, Peter and Andrew, James and John, Nathaniel and Matthew and all the others, all followed him and entered into a a life of Christ-ordained fellowship. In other words, they were recreated by the command of the Christ who is God. He commands... And so it is from the depths of sin's deadness. We might say they became by the command of Christ, his living disciples. All of this then to introduce the matter of worship, even our corporate worship, which is our current series. What's the connection we might say. Where are we going with this pastor? Um, The connection is simply, and yet quite profoundly this, that as we show up here each Lord's Day and twice over, if we show up twice each Lord's Day, uh, we are giving testimony to the fact that we have been recreated in Christ. We have been born again. Yes, it came by our decision Shame on us if we fail to call upon sinners, ourselves included, to make a decision for Christ. Each of us has been called to make a decision of faith. How can we deny or, or, or fail to see it? If we, if we love to champion the words of, of Joshua, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. We talked uh, previously about worship as our service. The church used to talk about the worship service. Now it's all about the worship experience. Instead of a sanctuary, it's a worship center, perhaps, or some other name that uh, uh, maybe fits with some marketing strategy. But Joshua said to the people of God of old, he said, Choose. Choose, make a decision for crying out loud and stick to it. And the same call must be heard today. But as we make that decision, we are called by God's word not to boast in our cooperation with the life giving spirit of God. Any more than the light or the expanse or the dry land in the beginning could boast of their cooperation, of its cooperation in in its in its own creation, we're not called to boast, but to understand and give testimony by uh, give give testimony that the decision of faith that we have made, if we have made it, was a decision generated within us by God. And I use the word deliberately that that the decision of saving faith has been. Generated by God because Jesus himself said to Nicodemus in John 3, you must be born again. Come to Jesus in whatever way, thinking maybe he's a great teacher. Uh, he, he, did, he did great miracles. Uh, look to him as a great example on how maybe you should live your own life. But you must be born again. So if you have come to Jesus as your Lord and Savior by His human flesh, by His perfect obedience, by His atoning death, by His victorious resurrection and ultimate ascension to heaven, then you surely have done so by your decision. But your decision has come by the new birth. If you are a believer in Christ, then it's because He has called you in the same way that he called his disciples of old, he has called you powerfully, he has called you effectually, as we say, he has called you, as we say, by the irresistible grace of God. Once again, we might ask, well, what, what, what's the connection? Aren't, aren't we supposed to be talking about corporate worship, our worship together on the Lord's Day? But this is exactly what we are talking about last time we uh, last time the case was made that the first day of the week being the day of the week on which jesus rose again from the dead the first day of the week is the lord's day it's his day and it truly is possessive this day belongs to christ because he rose again on this day and it truly is possessive this day belongs to christ and if we refuse him this day then do we not refuse his blessing to us in this day here's the here's the righteous selfishness I'm not sure you ever th- thought you'd hear those two words together there is a there is a righteous selfishness within the christian faith everyone knows that selfishness is is wrong and and that it's sinful, and yet the Christian faith is selfish in this sense, that it's it's about you and about you personally. And you should be selfish when it comes to believing in Christ and accepting and claiming for yourself the benefits of Christ's resurrection. This is why Jesus said, "If, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his Father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sister. Yes, even his own life. He cannot be my disciple. Simply put, it's, it's about you. We can grieve. Indeed, we, we ought to grieve the unbelief and rebellion of others, including to our great grief uh, friends and family members. But what about you? I think here of uh, Jesus and, and the Apostle Peter at the end of the Gospel of John when Jesus had restored him after his threefold denial of Jesus. Jesus, three times over, asked Peter, Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And Peter answered each time, Yes, Lord, I, I love you. And in the end, as it would seem that Jesus and Peter were walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, perhaps, John came following after them. And Peter said, well, what about him? And Jesus said, that's none of your business. You follow me. You follow me. This might sound familiar if you've been involved in our uh, our Thursday evening Bible study, as we've just come through this chapter, Jesus said to Peter, Don't worry about John. You follow me. We can reference uh, Pilgrim's Progress again here. In the fact that uh, Christian set out uh, from the city of destruction by himself, leaving behind his wife and children. But it's allegorical. The point is not for anyone to abandon their family and their, and their physical needs and, and by failing to pray for them. But, but, but that if we would believe in Christ and follow him, it must be a personal decision. And we must enter into a relationship with Christ as our Savior that is instantly from day one the most important relationship of our lives. Let it, let it redouble our prayers for unsaved loved ones. Absolutely. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord Jesus. This must be our faith in, in Christ. So you should be selfish. You should be selfish when it comes to your faith in Christ. On one level, at the, at the point of primacy, it's about you and no one else except christ but between you and christ it's not an equal partnership in fact it's not really a partnership at all the apostle paul even put it this way that i have been crucified with christ it is no longer i who live but christ who lives in me and the life i now live in the flesh i live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Note in this passage on one hand that, uh, that for Paul, faith was all about me, himself. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. The life I live by, the faith, by, uh, by faith in the Son of God. Jesus loved me and gave himself for me. But otherwise, Paul did not see his faith as any kind of partnership but that Christ was alive inside of him so on the first day of the week it is the lord's day it is christ's day the day of his resurrection and yet remember that his resurrection was for you that that prepositional phrase is so important all the way throughout the life and ministry of jesus He didn't need to be born, or He didn't need to be born. He didn't need to live in my flesh and to suffer and die. He was the only man who ever lived who deserved to live and not die. He was the unblemished Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So why did He come, and why did He live, and why did He die, and why did He rise again? He did so for me, for you, for all those whom the Father had given Him to save. And so his resurrection and his ascension to heaven were for me too. By his resurrection, he was, he was taking up the life that he deserved from all eternity. And by his ascension, he sat down at the place where he started out, so to speak. Only now he is there in our own flesh. Think about it. Did, did Christ need to become human and to sit at the right hand of the father no we needed him to take on human flesh and ultimately to sit down at the right hand of the father on one hand christ only took up again the place that he had always where he had always been but now in our flesh in the end he did it all for us he did it For me, he did it for you. And so we have a clear parallel between the first creation and the new creation. In Genesis 2, verse 2, it says, And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. And, And Hebrews 10, verse 12, which we didn't read, I'm pretty sure, says, Of Christ it says he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature and he he upholds the universe by the word of his power after making purification for sins. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Who would have thought in this world of sin that sitting down would have such significance? Everybody is working and working and working and striving and hoping to stay alive. But God sat down in the beginning, having created all that man needs for life and for his glory. And Christ sat down at the right hand of the Father, having provided all that we need for our salvation and for His glory. What we have, then, is the connection between the Lord's Day and the Sabbath. It cannot be doubted that the Fourth Commandment says, we read it quite often on Sunday mornings, the Fourth Commandment says, remember the Sabbath day to observe it, uh, or observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And it also says that the Seventh... Uh, or, or that the Sabbath was the seventh day of the week. Credits to the, Jeho- the uh, Seventh-day Adventists for reminding us of this. But as we said last time, it was on the first day of the week that Christ rose again. And it was by the resurrection of Christ that he was vindicated in all of his claims. And it was by the resurrection that we have been given rest who would think that Christ needed to be vindicated think about that after healing every every sick or disabled person in the entire region where he lived after casting out demons and even raising the dead yet this vindication came to him on the day of his resurrection you can you can try to kill god you can You can think that you have killed God, but God lives. Even more, God lives for the salvation of the very people who would put him to death. All of this to say that the day of Christ's resurrection is the Lord's day. The resurrection of Christ is worth celebrating daily. It's... it's, I think it's a condescension of God even to call for only a weekly celebration of the resurrection of Christ. Because it deserves to be celebrated every day, every moment of every day, simply on the basis of what Christ deserves in recognition for the hate and the cruelty and the stupidity and the injustice that he endured by his suffering and death. By his resurrection, he was vindicated. The longer I live, the more I read Scripture, the more I am struck, how, struck by how unstruck we are. That Jesus of Nazareth was put to death? Why would you kill a man who can heal the sick? Why would you kill a man who can cast out demons and control the weather and, and even raise the death? The only reason is because Jesus showed himself to be God. And we hate God. In the flesh, left to ourselves, we are sinners who hate God. And so we crucified the Lord of glory. On the first day of the week, it is the Lord's day. It is the day of Christ's vindication. It deserves to be celebrated every day. But here's where we can even get selfish. Jesus even said, man was not made for the Sabbath but the Sabbath for man. In other words, when God sat down after six days of creation, it was for the sake of man that he sat down. That man might know and remember that all God had created, he had created for man. And when Jesus sat down after his work for recreation, it was for the sake of man that sinners might know And be sure and remember that all that he did, he didn't do for himself. He did it for us. He did it for us. Here's where someone might object and say, wait, I I thought that God does all things for his glory. Yes, he does. But there is no difference between God's glory and the good of his people. If only we could get this and and keep it in our thinking, that the glory of God is equal to the good of his people. God sat down on the seventh day and called upon mankind to stop once every seven days to recall his glory. And Christ sat down at the right hand of the Father and so called upon us to behold his glory. But at the very same time, the very same time, as we behold the glory of Christ we behold our own good by his blessing upon us and so the objection gets raised all too often well that you know the sabbath that's old testament uh, we we don't have to do that anymore but hopefully we can see the mistake of that statement and I'm not here to say that, that that objection could never be raised by someone who is a true believer. But I am here to say that it reveals a striking ignorance of the gospel to say we don't have to do that anymore. Because from the beginning, the point was not obligation, but blessing. The point was not we have to, but we get to rest. We get to rest and remember that it has all been done for us. The world was created for our good. The light, the air, the separation of land and water, the creatures, all of it for our good. All of it so that we could live and thrive and prosper and enjoy. And yes, so that we could have pleasure in this life. Good food, good drink good relations, delights to the eyes and and to the body. God is the God of goodness, the God of blessing, even the God of pleasure. And the same is true with the recreation of Christ. In a sense, it's, it's even more true in the recreation of Christ. If someone tells you the truth once, it's true. If someone tells you the truth a second time, Is it not more true? And so it is with Christ and his finished work of recreation. It was not for him, though he is glorified by it. It was for us. So shall we say that we don't have to observe the Sabbath day anymore because of Christ? No, we get to observe the Sabbath day because of Christ. Shall we cross out one of God's Ten Commandments and only have God's Nine Commandments? May God have mercy on us for for such a mistake. The Sabbath day is the Lord's day. It is the day of Christ without doubt, but He came for us. He was born for us. He lived a perfect life for us. He suffered and died on the cross for us. He rose again for us. He ascended on high for us. He rested at the right hand of the Father for us so that, we, so that we too can rest. We don't have to remember the Sabbath day. I guess that's true. It is a choice. Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Serve your flesh, serve your unbelief, serve Satan himself, ignore the Sabbath, work yourself into the grave, live in constant anxiety about your life. It is your choice. But one sure sign, one clear indicator that you are trusting in Christ and relying upon his finished work for you is that you sit down and you rest and then you do it not because you have to, but because you get to. You get to in order merely to give thanks and, and praise to Christ because he has earned, he has achieved for you an eternal Sabbath, an eternal day, an eternal rest. By His finished work, Amen. Let's pray. Forgive us, O God, if we ever look at any one of Your laws as an uh, as a cold obligation, but help us to see that You love us. You You command Your blessing to us, and especially in the in this in the Sabbath day, because we are so susceptible to this. Help us to see that. Uh, a day of rest in, in the day of Christ's resurrection each and every week is a day to be, to be cherished, a day to be rejoiced in, a day uh, to, uh, to be seized and uh, to insist on using for Christ's glory, but for our good as we remember that the work of our salvation, Christ accomplished, And that he himself calls us by faith to rest in him and in what he has done for us. This we ask in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.